Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Wes, Andy, and Hank, and we're back with another episode of The Fan Batch, and I promise one of these weeks I will get the outro right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's my favorite part, actually. My favorite part is actually this experience uh, in general. I love coming together with you guys every weekend. I love bashing this stuff out. It's uh, it's been the highlight of my week for, for the last few weeks and generally has been since we've started doing our star wars review series and we've done what we've done we've done a few now we've done a full yeah. se- full season of the mandalorian we did uh, four episodes of the clone wars and the now we're into order 66 and we had a peppering of uh, some marvel in there with uh fan division which i thought was also very fun yeah that was a lot of fun um with loki on the horizon we'll talk turkey yep. offline but uh, that's that that was my favorite first episode of the three series, of a so marvel series just the way that they like it, it had me by five minutes in where the other two i had yep. to kind of go you know i knew i trusted the falcon and the winter soldier but everybody knows how i felt about the first issue yep. <laughs> uh, uh, the first division the first one division episode but but I speaking know. of uh just disney properties yep. uh i don't know if you guys have uh tomorrow morrison just did an interview and I, I can't recall who it was with but that's probably inconsequential but the best thing about it was it was sure it was about the book of boba fett and he, he oh some, nice maybe their spoilers go and i i don't know so if you guys want to plug your ears you can if you want but i'm about to i'm just you can read it so it's not me it's them <laughs> um, i am just him, fact, i am just reiterating what's already out there the character of boba fett has been stuck in one place for so long Oh yeah! This series is the opportunity to go back into his past and tell his story. Oh, that's awesome! So, right? So he literally spoiled the timeline, and and said we're going to find out what happens between or after the Empire Strikes Back and watch. Oh, nice! So we're going to be dipping in and out of timelines, I think. Um, so there's an we, opportunity. We all got maybe. the picture that, right? I'd like uh, to we see all got that the picture uh, sitting on that throne. Yeah, yeah. He was gonna move, you know, that, that we're gonna be the future of Boba Fett as a crime lord. But in fact, maybe that's like we speculated. Yeah. Maybe that's the the seat of the story. I guess. And yeah. then the story is in the past, and I'm that's awesome. And I don't know how much trouble he's gonna get in for this. Who knows? <laughs> I I think you know most of us out there would really like to see, you know, how is he gonna make it out of the Sarlacc. You can't tell me you didn't want it. I mean, we've read about it. It's been novelized a couple of times. There's been fan films about it. Sure. How he did Two it. comic versions of it. Right. And I think, I think if anything, we're all kind of clamoring for that one. And yeah, finally make it canon. Given our uh, affections for the character and, and uh, how little we saw of him during the Clone Wars, I'd be very, very excited if we got to go far enough back where maybe we get some Daniel Logan uh, reprisals. That would be awesome. He's he's super hip for the role. He's, Absolutely, uh, he's all over social media and cosplay, and it looks yeah. great. Yeah, I saw some of his stuff, and it uh, yeah, it does. It looks really good. Yeah, sharp as hell. Wow, I think that's uh, some pretty big Star Wars news. We were just talking if uh, if you're a Star Wars action figure collector, uh, the Hasbro machine keeps pumping them out. We were just talking about how the uh, Rogue One cast is getting reissued, although uh, this time we're going to get a, a six inch. 
Black Series Bodie Rook. So if you did not buy the Disney Store exclusive Elite Series Bodie, you're going to get an opportunity to uh, complete your Rogue One cast here pretty soon. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here for this week's episode of The Bad Batch. And uh, you know what? I, I watched it. I've been through it a couple of times now. I poured over my notes last night, and by the time I was done, I realized that I don't have a whole lot to say on this one that's, you know, speculative-wise. I got a couple things that I, I want to hit on, but the episode pretty much speaks for itself this week. It's um, it's a good episode, don't get me wrong, but it just, like, you know, after the, the pacing and the uh, excitement of last week's episode... It was kind of like a, a, you know, a bit of a shift. Mind you, <laughs> the whole middle act, I almost, I describe it like, uh, it's like a Friday the 13th movie. Definitely a horror vibe. That's what I got too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, such a dark repainting of everything that came before. Big time. That I actually can't wait to get into that. That's, there's some how many harrowing. How many harrowing. times have we said, you know. Uh, if he goes off, it, it could be like your worst nightmare. And, and, and to some degree, that's what we got. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're going to get to all of that and more as we break this one down. It's called Battle Scars. This one debuted on Disney Plus on Friday, June 11th, 2021. Runtime this week, it's uh, 24 minutes, 19 seconds without your credits or a whopping 27.11 with one thing about these streaming shows in general, particularly with the Disney ones, because they are throwing tons of money at it, and of course animation, there's lots of behind-the-scenes work that goes on. I am astounded at how long the credit sequences are, even if you even if you take out and the and the Clone Wars and uh, sorry Bad Batch as well does foreign language credits after the English credits. They even, certainly do. Even yeah. if you took those out. It's still an incredible amount of time spent on credits. Yes. But everybody in that sequence is deserving of their name there because they're turning out an amazing product. This one's and, written uh, by... Oh, go ahead. None, none less so than D. Bradley Baker. Yes. Did You, you who, just uh, picked up on that for the first time this week? D. Bradley Baker. I did. That was the, the first time I saw that. <laughs> and, it's, pretty uh, co- it's pretty cool when you see it. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. As the Bad Batch. <laughs> As the bad Can you batch. imagine, though, if they did it like a, like a film, like a scrolling thing where you had to, like, credit every character? <laughs> How many could you just... Introducing D. Bradley Baker as Rex. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I just made me chuckle out loud because I'd never really noticed it before. No. This week's episode is written by uh, Jennifer Corbett. That's our uh, NCIS lady. Directed by uh, Saul Ruiz again. And this week's synopsis reads, As they traverse a decommissioned medical facility, the Batch encounter an unexpected threat. I don't know about you guys, I read that and I'm like, oh, who are they going to run into? And then as it unfolded, I'm like, oh, now I know. (laughs) This week's connective tissue, we've spent the last couple of weeks talking sort of just briefly about the the connectivity of the episode. This one takes us uh, forward right into uh, Jedi Fallen Order. And we get a nod to a very famous scene from A New Hope, among uh, a few other things. Once again, I don't know why this keeps happening to us. I guess it's just the the level of detail that we're we're pouring over this. We're doing 
we're doing exactly what you want us to do, Disney. We talked last week in decommissioned about, you know, are there other facilities? And, and I think I had mentioned about the world that Cal Kestis was working on and we couldn't remember the name of it. That's right. How ironic. Look where we are this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tip of the tongue. <laughs> Very much. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's get into it. This episode begins in media res with the Bad Batch being pursued by a trio of starfighters. And, uh... Kind of look like a modified. I poured over this a little bit. Attack shuttle from the uh, from. I mean, there's certain differences, and it was it was super hard to grab a good screen cap. Uh, As I would uh, concur, I I kind of thought as I was watching it live, they they look something like between a a a classic A wing, yeah, and a Jedi starfighter, but they definitely have the boxy nose of of that guy there. Very snub front guns, yeah. So they do, yeah. So it's. It's you know likely an, an amalgam of a lot of their animation assets. I think so. Jammed into one. I, just, I I kind of you know not flat, but I got a, a I got a Viper, a Battlestar Galactica Viper, like a truncated Viper. Funny that you said that because swoop. the the angular wings also made me think Battlestar Galactica. But in uh, and I don't think you can see it very well in the shot that we put up here. Those fighters, the their wings are rounded. So I actually kind of went. It looks kind of like a Cylon Raider. Yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a, a Battlestar Galactica vibe, certainly. Yeah, very much so. All Which right. Is basically, a Star Wars vibe. Still in the employ of Sid, the Batch have stolen a lizard-like creature from another criminal element called the Rokai. I guess they could be pirates or something. I don't know. They've got, Maybe. they've got starfighters and. The, Interestingly enough, they have three star, at least three starfighters of the exact same kind. So they've they've got yeah, money. Right. That's right. Painted in the same markings. They're yeah. they're organized. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I immediately Googled Rokai to see what I could find. I got I nothing. But yeah. I did find one weird thing. What's that? Which was it's a a Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order mod website. And yeah. It's one of the users' profile names is Rokai. I wonder if that's just a nod. I mean, we are Maybe. <laughs> we are definitely deep in in uh, Fallen Order territory this week. So you know what? It, no surprise if that's the connection. It's um, just not one that this, I would have picked up. He, on. And he's a modder from when the game first came out, like right, right, eighteen or something. So he's been kicking around a while as a personality, I guess, on this mod chat channel. Or yeah, yeah, blog yeah. or whatever it is. That's the only reference I could find by typing Rokai Star Wars in, and it was like fifth one down. You know, I mean, it could be as simple as, like, what's the reverse one there? The one from Tron Legacy where uh, Tron's evil uh, persona was named Rinsler after, yeah. uh, after uh, what, J.D. Rinsler, who wrote on Star Wars, actually. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it could be something that simple. But you know what? Cool to Very see cool. that they're paying attention to what's going on in the bigger fan community. I think that's a nice yeah, way to, to touch into that. Yeah. As the uh, oh, and in true in true Star Wars fashion, the hyperdrive is broken. <laughs> what it. is it with um, hero ships and hyperdrives? And the fact that it's in that it's in media res, and you have no idea what they went through to get this thing, this chameleon-looking thing, but it's broken. <laughs> yeah. And I can't remember if it was Episode Seven of The Mandalorian. But there was an episode in mid-season of The Mandalorian where we also started exactly the same. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. In chase, being shot at, and trying to avoid combat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Exactly the same. You know, so you can sort of tell that the writers have these rhyming stanzas and approaches to the storytelling. It's really nice and tight. 
you talk about that and and we talked about when we do our intros and we we introduce all of the or not all of but we introduce the major players the writer the director and it's interesting now that as i spend more time watching the credits of each episode i'm starting to see these names come up in different titles so like in the animation department in the art department so all these people who have these strong backgrounds in other uh, areas of production are still doing that and they're getting their chance to shine as writers and directors so i think like the way that they're keeping it in-house it's pretty awesome it is pretty awesome especially because you see in animation a lot of outsourcing and it's yeah. been happening since the 80s oh yeah um when i tried to I, I went to you guys know or probably know that i went to sheridan for a while i remember that uh, yeah for for art and uh dropped out second year because i was gonna go make some money like we all think we can right right and go back with all the noblest of intentions wasn't... and then when i had tried to gone back they had opened up sub- submissions to the school yeah to foreign countries which is perfect that's it just makes us a stronger you know thing but i was suddenly competing as like a, a 19 year old kid who could draw pretty good yeah with like 40 year old japanese animators that had been in the field 20 oh years. yeah that makes and it, it was way more difficult for sure right. for sure but i mean the level of canadian animation we all have to admit has yep. skyrocketed and uh, i see a lot less outsourcing than we did in the 80s well i i kind of as a fan i kind of wear it as a point of pride that you know as canadians we have a direct animation connection to star wars with you know albeit the holiday special but still Mm. Uh, Ewoks and Droids. After that, done by the same company, by Nalvana Studios. So I Mark mean, Marin. Yeah, Mark so I'm, Marin. That's where I kind of go. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. And you yeah. know, you know, it's a Canadian production. You know, it's a Nalvana production when the heroes only have three fingers. <laughs> Fantastic. And I, I actually rewatched it all on Disney, and uh, it's it's pretty solid. And the the Ewoks cartoon is far darker than i remember it ever being i've only gotten to the first couple of episodes and then i just <laughs> it I, gets pretty dark. i looked over at kim and she was like completely tuned out and i'm like oh maybe this is one i should be watching on my own <laughs> yeah all right as the ship is buffeted by blaster fire wrecker struggles with the lizard that omega has affectionately named ruby while echo works feverishly to repair the hyperdrive Hunter returns fire, narrowly missing one of the fighters before the Havoc Marauder makes its escape, leaping into hyperspace, and just because it's the glory shot, oh man, you can't tell me that this isn't one of the best effects in Star Wars. I just love yeah. that stretch of the of the starscape as they uh, as they make their way out. It's of all the sci-fi franchises and stuff, it's my favorite version of traveling at faster than light speeds. Absolutely. There's some pretty good ones out there too. I mean, there's like space, there are there are. That's what I mean. That's space folding, wormholing, and right, exactly. And you can't forget spaceballs. Uh, plaid. <laughs> <laughs> We're going, going to, plaid. to plaid. They've gone to plaid. Back at Sid's place, the batch questions Sid about what the buyer wants with Ruby, and once again, she reminds them that it's a uh, no questions asked kind of operation. She's really getting to flex the character too. She's she I mean? is. She's been three three episodes in a row now, so she's she's a recurring character ostensibly. You know, I, I had said that after her first appearance, and I really like praised uh, Rhea Perlman's performance, which I still think is fantastic. And I, I kind of, I may have gone so far as to say, kind of a new <clears throat> a new favorite character, and she still is. But man, is she ever showing her colors this week? Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. she's and right on. We the were verge. right about. Yeah, exactly. And we were right about them sticking around and working for her because, yep. you know, very, very few other options. 
Sid directs the batch to bring the lizard to the back. But as they move off, the trio of drinkers, or a trio of drinkers in the corner, catches uh, Hunter's eye. There they and, are. And uh, she, she says a line, too, that's uh, right out of The Mandalorian. I don't know what he's going to do with it. Maybe he's going to keep it as a pet. Maybe he's going to eat it. And there's a character yeah, that yeah, says yeah. that about Grogu in season one. Looking at this image of these uh, three people, we can see the mysterious hooded figure sort of in the uh, the booth there. Another human uh, and uh, a, a Gotal. A Gotal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm having a look at this other guy, and as I'm as I'm looking at it here, I'm like, is that another clone? Yeah. You know, you, you can't help but kind of wonder that. It, well, it, yeah, it's the, like the the width of his shoulders. And why are these? Off. Why are these three? You know, comfortably drinking together. Like it just it doesn't make sense considering where the episode goes. So who knows? Maybe these two. Maybe we'll see them again in a future episode. I'm not going to bank on it, but I'm not going to rule it out either. Mm-hmm. With the mission concluded, Wrecker and Omega ask Hunter if they can go off to exercise their new post-mission tradition, and he yeah. tells them, uh, "Don't be long." And the two of them gleefully tear off. Sure, the kid. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. It's kind of cool that there's that stuff that you know this uh, off-camera stuff that happens. And again, just like uh, what is it, the first or second episode where we talked about you know just plain life on a starship, day-to-day kind of routine. Here's mm-hmm. another. Here's another glimpse into sort of their their day-to-day. This is just what they do. Yeah. And it's 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 that brother sister thing. These two yeah. are bonding sort of differently than the rest of the cast. Oh, absolutely. These, these guys are tighter, much tighter. It makes what's about to happen even more. As the two head out, one of the mysterious drinkers watches them concealed by a hood and cloak. Just a reflection, glint in the eyes, kind of peering out from under there. Yeah, and they do a good job of obscuring it because that's a very familiar set of eyes. So they cut off the edges. They cut off the nose. You can It's it's still tough to figure out who it is. Yeah, and then later on when we see him, and we'll get to that, I'm like, oh, I recognize that cloak. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Back in Sid's office, Sid hands Hunter uh, some credits. And he questions her uh, by mentioning, you said this job paid three times as much. Echo then questions, how is this a mutually beneficial arrangement? And Sid says, you're breathing, ain't you? And then goes on to say that they should be thankful considering the debt they owe her. And that's where I think everybody collectively went, huh? <laughs> and I've seen this. I've seen this. In fact, I may or may not have used this tactic uh, in the role-playing game. Mm. When Hunter questions the debt, she claims Sid tosses a, tosses a data pad over with a litany of charges, which includes docking fees, port charges, gear, fuel, rations, and something called... Uh, 20 cartons of Mantel Mix. (laughs) Mantel Mix. And that's kind of, that's going to come up a little bit later, which is kind of funny. Meanwhile, at street level, Omega and Wrecker enjoy a carton of Mantel Mix. And so there's a thing here. So we, and uh, the Pandoran in in the scene, the Pandoran. uh, So there's a thing here that's going on. So this is the, she's already handed them a ledger for 20 boxes of this stuff. That's right. And this is the ostensibly 21st and 22nd box of this stuff. Yep. Meaning that they've gone on 11 missions. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know about yet. So time has passed. For sure it has. For sure it has. Yeah. So it's cool. It's, it's, and we may get into that realm of like, 
elusive amounts of time have passed how do we know where we are how close are we to calcastus how yeah we really we really don't know with any you know definitive certainty we've kind of speculated right. where we think we are and, and especially with dave filoni's statement mid mandalorian season two that how do you know what timeline you're in where that's do you right, know yeah. how do you know the events of this happened before the events of that and that, no, it's that true. actually made my brain start to go because he is the originator of the world between worlds and that the, literally uh, is the what if of the Star Wars universe. The master architect has spoken and now everything we think we know, oh, maybe not. I really it's, think. it's awesome, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. We did skip over a comedy beat, though. In what part? Oh. Uh, when they first bring the lizard in and uh, Sid oh, looks at right, it and says, right. that's an ugly looking lizard. Funny that that's coming from her, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Omega and Wrecker enjoying a carton of Mantel mix. And I mean, if we're looking at it here, anybody get the, uh, it's the Star Wars equivalent of like popcorn? Yeah, mm-hmm. Cracker Jack. So I'm like, Caramel corn. <laughs> Mantel mix. Apparently it's the Chicago mix of Star Wars. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I'm addicted to that stuff. It's bad for my teeth, but man, they taste good together. <laughs> and in another comedic moment, when the vendor tells him that it'll be 14 credits, Wrecker instructs the vendor to put it on Sid's tab. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's great. Back at the bar, the Athorian and the Weequay gamblers that we saw in the last two episodes are still there, and they're now harassing the mysterious cloaked drinker in the corner, kind of giving him a hard time. When the Athorian tells him, you're in my seat, and orders him to move, the mysterious figure promptly ignores him. At the same time, in Sid's office... She goes on to tell the clones, they'll need to pull off a big score to be square with her. And there's something I didn't really notice before, but that Athorian is dressed like classic action figure Hammerhead. With, with the, the blue. blue onesie. Yeah. The only difference is he's wearing some kind of headset. I, I presume that's yeah. exactly what it is, some translator. Right. And you can hear that original sound underneath his voice in these scenes, that, that yeah. kind of weird wood warping sound that they gave him. Or the character, the uh, the race from A New Hope. I was thinking if you were a fan of the uh, Tartakovsky Clone Wars, you got a really good example of that with the uh, Ithorian Jedi when he uses yeah. his uh, his yeah. vocal, uh, the sonic weapon, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. Good call. In this scene, uh, you know, this is where Sid, again, she gets into that uh, the, the frenemy thing and, and she kind of does that whole, you know, listen, I, I like you boys, but goes into that how much of a job that they've got to pull off to be square with her and this is where she really alludes to that whole uh thing that we talked about where outliving their usefulness their days are potentially numbered Mm. when they ask her what that job might look like she actually says uh like retrieving a tactical droid but you bungled (laughs) that up and then she follows it up with uh, i suggest you figure something out before you see my ugly side oh wow bringing up the question of Sid as a frenemy again and, and like I said, outliving their usefulness. And maybe facilitating the need to go back after the tactical droid and see Rafa and... You know, I uh, I kind of wondered if, uh, you know, yes. if Thank that's going to be a recurrent theme. Are we going to see those two characters again? Because there is kind of... I'm getting ahead of myself here, but towards the end of the episode, there's there's overt kind of suggestions of like, you know how to find us. Yeah, that I yeah, I'd like to talk about that too. It's almost yeah, we'll talk about that when it happens, but yes, I noted that. No sooner does Sid conclude her lecture, 
uh, does the sound of blaster fire erupt from the bar. Both Sid and the clones rush out to see what's going on, and the Athorian and Weakway Gambler are running out the door. (laughs) (laughs) All the while, the mysterious hooded figure stands at his seat, blaster in hand. It's a great visual there, though. Over their shoulders or something like (laughs) Oh, man, that's awesome. Man, when I was watching it at home on the larger screen, as soon as I saw the arm and I saw the blue stripe down the the off-white plating, I'm like, yep, I know who that is. (laughs) And that's exactly what I was saying about, like, oh, I recognize that cloak. But it was a great visual when they all rush out of the office, because not only does the Bad Batch have all their weapons drawn, yeah. Sid's ready to go, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. The figure then lays his weapon on the table, and as Sid shouts at him, who are you? They turn to face the Batch, and pulling back the hood, we see that it is Captain Rex. All right, good for us. He was high on our list last week. Yes. He was my gut pick, I believe. We uh, were fans here of uh, Star Wars Theory, and uh, we talked about that sort of offline throughout the week that, you know, last week, I think Bail Organa kind of was sitting kind of high for us as well. Yeah. And uh, even Theory thought it was uh, was Bail Organa. So interestingly enough, I guess the obvious one really was the the obvious one. Mm. Still, though, we didn't get we didn't get both characters. And I thought for sure if we were going to get one, we were going to get both. But well, even that may come up again at the end of the episode as well. Something that's more of a holistic conversation towards the end, perhaps. But we got a lot of closure in this episode. I we think wrapped so. two storylines in this episode, and we aren't quite halfway through the season yet. No, that's right. That's so right. there's, you know, we're, we're we we kind of wrapped up Act One now. So there's yeah yeah. Now we know that uh, if we keep the same sort of pacing and the timing that we've we have through the other. Dave Filoni and John Favreau led shows that yeah. we're about to amp up big time, big time middle act. So middle act, I mean, in the, in the three act uh, play. So this is where we, uh, you know, this is where things generally turn and the, the level, the threat level and the danger amps up for the characters so that they can have that. Can that only, yeah. They can that have can only that. Mean yeah. One thing for me, which is crosshair. I, I think so. I, I would definitely say that, He's been established as the uh, as the central, maybe not the big bad, but the immediate bad. Right. And, I mean, we also speculated that if they can get their chips out, that that could spark the uh, idea that they can get him back. And that may be the redemption arc of this series is getting him back. Right. So Sid indignantly tells them that this isn't a clone clubhouse, and she's done taking in strays, and then she storms off back to her office. Rex and the Batch's reunion consists of sharing a drink at the bar, while Rex tells them what he's been up to since the end of the war. Echo reveals that uh, Imperial files show that Rex was killed in action, and Rex says, well, that has its advantages. When Echo asks Rex how he found them, he reveals that it was, in fact, through Trace and Rafa Martez. Rex asks about the kid that they're traveling with, and Hunter tells them that it's Omega, and she's a clone like us. Just then, the reunion is punctuated by a boisterous Wrecker and Omega have re- who have returned from the street market. Wrecker embraces Rex in a bear hug, lifting him off the floor, while Omega says, I thought you didn't like the regs. But Wrecker laughs and says, we like this one. Kneeling down in front of Omega, Rex tells her that he's met many clones, but none like her. The two st- uh, intently study each other for a moment, and Omega breaks the silence by telling him, you're a generation one. Rex asks, how do you know that? 
And she tells him because of the lines on his face. Mm-hmm. That's pretty perceptive for a kid who's physically, you know, around 10 years old. Does that put Rex at the Battle of Geonosis? It does. If he's a, if he's a Gen 1, yeah. It sure does. If he was first off the line. And Lord knows wherever else he's been. I got to go back and watch for him in Attack of the Clones on one of the gunships. Suddenly, the mood turns very serious as Wrecker grasps his head and asks Tech for a med patch. He tries to write it off as nothing more than a headache, and Echo mentions that the headaches have become more frequent. The tension in the room becomes palpable, with Rex becoming very guarded. Tech tries to alleviate his concerns by explaining that the deviant nature of Clone Force 99 has impeded the uh, functionality of the inhibitor chips, except for Crosshair. (laughs) And with the revelation that the Bad Batch have not yet removed their inhibitor chips, Rex flips the opening of his cloak back, and grasps his sidearm. It's a super tense moment, and uh, I kind of wondered where they were going to go with that. Like, I thought, are they going to draw down right here, and and this goes completely sideways? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Rex goes on to explain how dangerous the Batch are to everyone around them, going so far as to call them ticking time bombs. Funny, because I think I used the words uh, powder keg last week. That's correct. That is what I said, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. He explains that uh, he's seen firsthand what happens when the chip activates and that he doesn't want to bury any more of their brothers. Taking it all in, Hunter asks, how do you suggest we get them out? And Rex answers, good question. I'll be in touch. So yeah, that's kind of our uh, our first act of the uh, the episode there. We pick up yeah, with the... Uh, stuff, actually. It's super, super heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reunion is kind of weird in that, I mean, you get that sort of like, oh, hey, we, we missed you, uh, you know, the, the, with the episode with Tup. And, but at the same time, this whole, like, trying to imagine things from Rex's perspective, right? Like, what's he been that's doing? It. That's exactly it. Besides rebuilding a droid, what's he been doing for the last weeks, months, however long it's been? and. Right. You know, there's a line later on, a line that that really peaked, probably the most interesting line in the entire episode. I'm going to talk about a little bit later on. But who else has he come into contact with since the end of the war? Right. I think that's an interesting question that we can explore. So we pick up with the the Havoc Marauder ripping through hyperspace. Again, I just love the hyperspace effects in Star Wars. I don't know why. I just do. As the Havoc Marauder careens through hyperspace, the Batch discuss the plan to remove their inhibitor chips. Wrecker isn't exactly excited to have his head cut open. And we learn definitively that Omega does not, in fact, have an inhibitor chip. Although, do we she says she doesn't. Yeah. I guess that's says. a matter. I guess that's a matter of do you believe her? I have a theory on that for later. Well, so it's crossed my mind, too. I personally don't think she has an inhibitor chip, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't have some other form of programming. And I think it ties into what we said before about if. If the Emperor can build in a contingency for the Jedi, could the cloners not build in a contingency for themselves? And maybe she's it. Who knows? All right. So then we get back to uh, a point where Tech is now basically working on completing his scanner. And uh, cool. I never picked up from the first episode that it was a a two-parter. I remember seeing the handheld thing in the first episode. I thought, oh, it's just a handheld scanner. That's right. Seven episodes in, Tech is finally finishing up his scanner. Having scanned Captain Rex, he's able to use the readings as a baseline to compare Rex's brain scan to their own, which should allow for the detection of any cellular anomaly. 
All right, dropping out of hyperspace, we arrive at their destination, and we see that it's the planet Bracca. Oh, yeah. Here we go, right into uh, Jedi Fallen Order. So Bracca, it's a brand new planet. Well, brand new, what, 2019? Made exclusively, specifically for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So this is the first, I guess, cinematic appearance of the planet in canon. Although the uh, Fallen Order video game is canon, so... Bracca is the location of a major ship-breaking yard, and as the Havoc Marauder moves toward the beacon set by Rex, we can see the planet's surface is littered with the bones of scrapped Republic and Confederacy starships. It's pretty awesome. Hank, did you play through Jedi Fallen Order? Oh yeah, heck yeah. That um, that opening sequence. I love that opening sequence. I wanted to spend more time on that world. I was actually pretty disappointed that that was just sort of the the prologue the and then we open. yeah <laughs> yeah that's how i felt about the the shadows opener too uh just being you know a super exciting place to uh to explore and like you say the idea that we just watched ostensibly millions of clones with millions of pieces of equipment fight millions of battle droids with millions of pieces of equipment yeah and that there's just planets filled with scrap metal now yeah makes perfect sense and uh to visit what like to to tie this all in is very very nice i I like to see that especially with fallen order just got a uh ps5 and an xbox i I can't remember what the new model series x just got a series x free upgrades cool uh, for the new models and to stay relevant i guess because they're they're still planning sequels uh and i hear rumbling of that all the time there's a lot of visual uh stuff going on if you're really if you're looking for it, you can see there's a few. I like the fact that just like in the game, and this this is different than uh, last week when we were on Corellia, where they were specifically just decommissioning Confederacy droids. Uh, Bracca, however, looks like it's a uh, you know it, it's not a selective uh, facility. It takes whatever it gets because you can see there's a couple of them in here. There's a couple of uh, Luker Hulk battleships. Confederacy yeah. Luker Hulks or Trade Federation Battleships, if you prefer that name, as well as obviously a boatload of Venator class uh, Star Destroyers. The Havoc Marauder comes to rest in the docking bay of one of the Venator class destroyers, settling in beside Rex's Y Wing Starfighter that we saw at the end of uh, In Victory, uh, Victory and Death. Still looking uh, none the worse for wear. Still looks pretty clean. It's still got all the body panels on it, so, you know, it's not falling apart yet. I was just wondering in that shot if you can actually see a droid in the cockpit. No. Because, yeah, um, it would make sense that he might lend R7 to the Rafa sisters, but that he would probably have it in the A-Wing with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's kind of hard to jump to light speed. There's a, the Y-Wing goes through, and I wish I had more pictures of this now that we're talking about it, because we could spend some time on this. The Y-Wing goes through uh, quite a few modifications from Republic Y-Wing to Rebel Y-Wing. That's right. Because, I'm just going to touch on this one, this single seat fighter, as opposed to the Rebel Y-Wing, which is the the dual seat with the, uh, the turret on top of the canopy. This has the the separate gun turret, which is is ostensibly the second seat, which basically eliminates the droid socket. Oh, so I see. I don't think this model actually has a droid socket. Okay. Not until later okay. on, anyway. All right. After a brief greeting, 
the clones don their helmets and head off, making their way across the wreckage, the wreckage across the world to a, a scrapped Star Destroyer. Rex points out that that's where he had his inhibitor chip removed, was on a, a ship just like it. So, so there's a lot of stuff that starts to come up for Rex here where, uh, you know, he's starting to revisit some of the memories maybe from, uh, from his experiences over the last uh, few hours of the war. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Wrecker asks, uh, do we need to go all the way over there? And if we do, why didn't we land closer? And Rex points out uh, that the planet is controlled by the Scrapper Guild and they need to avoid their patrols. Of course, we get a, our first look at the Scrapper Guild on their little uh, skiff. Yes. It's the same Scrapper Guild that uh, Cal Kestis is later going to end up working for while trying to conceal his identity as a Jedi Padawan in uh, Fallen Order. Cameron Monaghan, Cal Kestis, awesome character, even if you don't like the actor. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Hank. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. It's a great game. I, I do want to see, I'd love to see him play this live action. Like Me too. I mean, because he's played characters that I don't like doesn't mean he's not a talented actor because you'd have to move me for me not to like him. Yeah. As they make their way towards the Star Destroyer, the clones make small talk, uh, with yeah. Rex telling them that Fives tried to warn him about the inhibitor chips. Fives. When he asks how the Batch learned of their own chips, he's surprised to learn that it was through Omega. I think you wanted to mention, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, about Fives. We're just going back so that we can just keep everybody up to speed. Fives is the character that, that kicked Order 66 into the open and almost accidentally ruined the entire plan for the Empire. Yeah. And what we saw with Fives was him, you know, struggling to maintain control. And we, we saw him, you know, breaking. It was like that the order had leaked a little into his system. Yeah. And we didn't understand the mechanism of what was happening, if it was just some sort of, like, computer code that was changing his, you know. It was it raised all these questions. And then we saw Rex ostensibly rescue him. And then we saw Rex, right. you know, know that something was wrong with him and... and literally that ticking time bomb or powder keg Rex suddenly starts to view from that moment on every other clone, like a ticking time bomb. And he doesn't know necessarily no. like, who do I trust now? Even though I still have to on the surface, do my job and trust everybody here. Fives is integral yeah. to, to the sort of the, the genesis of what's happening in these storylines now. And we're getting, we're getting sort of that, that resolution actually. Or, yeah. We're probably not going to see other clones get their chips removed. We might, we might hit on Gregor and Wolf, maybe. Those two came uh, to mind, considering you know the the relationships that we see later on in Rebels. And then, in terms of what Fives went through, in terms of what we saw Rex go through, in terms of what we're about to watch Wrecker go through, yeah. And when we hit that point, I'd like to make another point about this. Oh, of actually. course, of I'm course. Pause yeah. it there, and let's get to that scene. All right. So, just as they're moving along here, crossing over a makeshift bridge, Hunter spots the otherwise still water below begins to roll. Something unseen is below the surface, and he warns the rest of them to stay above the waterline. As the clones make their way inside the dead Star Destroyer, the music becomes more ominous, and there is a distinct tonal shift that I found to be reminiscent of a classic horror movie. Rex recounts his last time aboard a Star Destroyer and how it didn't end well for him. Echo says, if the inhibitor chip is something you can't control, how did you get yours out? And Rex just uh, replies, I had help. 
he covers for Ahsoka here. Yeah, he, he's still like what I just said. He he can't trust them. He, like, yeah. He's still hands on his gun metaphorically. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, he's waiting for these guys to go off any second. It's like we and, said uh, last week when we were you know debating who it could be and and on the subject of Ahsoka. The same thing applies to Rex. He doesn't know if they're clone uh, if they're Jedi killers. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't know if they're uh, if been affected through. by. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Although they did, there is a moment. I don't know if it's here. It's later on. Hunter and and Rex talking about what on uh, on save, uh, uh, on Kala. Yeah, how they couldn't save the general, but uh, they saved the Padawan. Nice. So you could maybe see Rex running around the galaxy, waking clones up one at a time, and building a new army. Some sort of weird. <laughs> He's the Star he's Wars the, what if he's That'd the Morpheus cool. of this world. Yeah, man. Yeah. That water seed though, that did it for me. What? I had my <laughs> aha moment. When, yep. Just when you see, because like the amount of garbage. And oh, stuff I know. In there, you, it's can't, like, oh, you can't. You no. can't help, but yeah. He says he had help, and then he pulls up short, having stumbled onto the edge of a deep chasm. Rex points out that the medical bay is on the other side, and with no other way to get around, he motions to Wrecker to grab a length of cable that just happens to be laying nearby. One by one, using the cable like a rope crossing, they make their way across the chasm until only Wrecker is left. And at the thought of having to cross the deep chasm below, Wrecker shouts, It's okay. Head doesn't hurt anymore. You can go on without me. And there's that hype <laughs> fear again. But little sister Omega encourages him, saying that it's okay. Just keep your eyes on the cable. And once again, shaking off the fear, Wrecker meanders out onto the cable. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of cla- It's kind of uh, again. It's played for for com- uh, comedy. He's so much more heavier than the rest of them, and the cable oh, yeah. does the big sag, and then sags again, and then he nearly falls off the thing before he just completely wraps himself around it. Like I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When suddenly the cable does snap, and Wrecker falls. But luckily, the cable wraps itself around his leg, preventing him from falling into the dark water below. From the opposite side of the chasm, the rest of the batch look on as Wrecker dangles upside down. When the water begins to churn, the clones tell Wrecker to climb fast. But before he can act, a tentacle lashes out of the water and pulls him under. Wrecker briefly, uh, surfaces briefly, using his vibro knife to sever the tentacle. But it's not enough as more tentacles reach out, pulling him back under the water. The scene's pretty evocative. I mean, uh, there's no no question that we're going for the uh, the trash compactor in A New Hope yeah. here. Hell yeah, even the pallet. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a classic Star Wars creature, if you guys aren't aware. I mean, by now, it's called the uh, Dianoga, and uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, the one that we saw it back in A New Hope was considerably smaller than this one. <laughs> Yeah. But they can, Especially if you had the original uh, 1978 Death Star with the the toy uh, little green action figure yeah. that is the represent crazy mouth, big you know eye on a ball, ball uh, on an arm kind of thing from the head. They actually can grow to become quite large. I don't remember the numbers, but it was like several meters long. Right. So I mean, there's the big eye stalk on the top, right? And that's all we saw. We saw one tentacle and the eye stalk in uh, in a New Hope. Right. We're going to see a little bit more of it in this episode, but uh, quite large. Although depicted purely as beasts, Dianogas uh, have actually been canonized to uh, be sentient and have a basic tribal culture. Hmm. 
They're totally dependent on water, which without they would dry up and die. I read something to the effect of the one that's on the, uh, good Lord, Vader's uh, Star Destroyer. Okay, the uh, Executor. that's the Super Star Destroyer. I think it's the Devastator okay. is his original right, ship. Right, right, right. Devastator? Right, right. Yeah. My God, how can I call myself an expert? All right. <laughs> I'm by no means an expert. I'm just a fan like everybody else. Yeah, there was something about the 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 Dianoga there being, whether it was accidentally picked up or they discovered it on board the ship and they just tossed it in. I'm a little confused here because it actually read like, you know how sometimes you throw like, you throw enzymes into your your composter to help the process along. Mm. I kind of got the impression that's what they did. Oh, Dianoga, just throw it in the trash and it'll take care of any organic matter that happens to fall in there so it doesn't stink up the place, right? Well, when the trash compacts, they do say it left. So it had like a well, you do you you hear that that. you hear the clanking of the (laughs) which I just assume was let's open a gate and let the thing out. Yeah. So maybe it was purposely in there. Wrecker and the Dianoga struggle under the water until he's finally able to surface and begins to climb the cable. But the Dianoga, not yet ready to give up its meal, heaves itself up from below, tentacles flailing, and its toothy maw agape. But Hunter blasts it from above, and the rest of the clones are able to pull him up. Rats scurry about the ship as the clones continue their way to the medical bay. And when they finally... rats? I don't think they're womp rats. You know, it's not impossible. They could be related to womp rats. They looked kind (laughs) of big. But again, I mean, we've seen various rat-like creatures in Star Wars of varying sizes. And with with it being so dark this week, it just, I couldn't tell for sure. So I'm just going to go with the generic rat. I had a thing with a bird that I thought might be one of the steel peckers from Jakku. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably grasping at straws, but if there's uh, rusty metal to peck, it could be that. Why not? Yeah. When they finally arrive, Tech remarks that uh, he wouldn't consider it a sterile environment anymore. To which uh, Rex retorts, would you prefer the medical bay on Camino?" And Tech blurts out, this will do nicely. <laughs> awesome. Actually, He's yeah. still my favorite character. You know, every time he has a, uh, I don't even know what to call it, a, a tech-ism. Every line that guy says in his blunt obviousness is just, I don't know, it's its comedic gold to me. I love it. The batch set to work preparing the facility. Echo uses his scomp link to activate the surgical pod while Tech pre- prepares his own equipment. Tech then places the headset over Wrecker's head and begins the scan. Wrecker grimaces in pain while Omega looks on with concern. So we get a good shot of the uh, scanner here as they're looking at taking the scan of Wrecker's brain. Right. Presumably, the the red dot is sort of pinpointing where they think it is. Not sure how that relates to where we where the medical computer spotted it in Rex's head. I don't think it's in the same location, to be honest. Uh, it looks very similar to his scar location in this episode. It's yeah, it does. Omega warns Hunter that she thinks that the surgery is dangerous. But Rex tells her it's more dangerous not to do it. She's worried that if something goes wrong, that she'd be left all alone. But Hunter reassures her that she's with them for the long run. Is she seeing the future again? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It's just little dips into that in every episode where she seems to have some sort of level of precog. Maybe not understanding the vision, but definitely going, uh, if we do this to Wrecker, something bad is about to happen. Yeah. And she did the exact same thing with Crosshair. Right. 
Meanwhile, as the scan continues, we hear the tone that it emits becoming higher pitched. Tech thinks he's found something, but Wrecker struggles against his inhibitor chip and tears the headset off. So I have some some questions. I don't know if they're it's really struggling at this point. And uh, you see how he goes through this episode where, again, you hear that the higher pitched tone, the light and the tone emitted from the surgical pod like. Do you think that the scanner in some way was the final push it over the trigger? Edge. Yep. Cuz I don't I don't think the sound alone did it. I think the sound is a cue for us as the viewer to know that it's affecting him somehow. I don't think that was the final push. No. I actually think that the final push was that in conjunction with the conversation that was happening in the background and Hunter actually admitting that they let the Padawan go. Yeah. Yeah, and that's right. Those things together were actually the breaking point. And I don't yep. think it would, he may have lasted a little longer without the, the confession. You think the so? Confession is, they cut right from the confession to his eye turning. Yeah, yeah. It's a close-up on his eye, and the, it's I don't know how they do it in animation, but he suddenly, his eyes change. Yeah. And yeah, he only yeah. has one. <laughs> I know. And it's right after that. It's because they're, they're holding on him, and they're cutting kind of back and forth to the conversation, and they're holding on him, right, and he right. says, we let the Padawan live. That's right. That's oh yeah, that's the that's the line about we couldn't save the general, but we could save uh, we could save the Padawan. Yeah, right. And that's the moment he turns. The moment he turns. This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorsPlatoon.ca. CollectorsPlatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collectors Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorsPlatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit collectorsplatoon.ca today. So knowing they need to work fast, Echo activates the surgical pod while Rex tells Hunter that they were lucky. Not many clones were immune to the inhibitor chip effect, adding that it's rare. So this, this for me was the most interesting line in the entire episode because now we've opened up a whole new opportunity of storytelling where we can actually go out and explore maybe explore what some of the other clones, uh, how did they escape Order 66 or how did they survive the war? And uh, particularly, like we've already mentioned, I think it'd be cool to explore sort of the the Wolf-Gregor connection because, you know, if you you take a look at their, their bios, it's heavily implied that Wolf carried out Order 66 and didn't get his chip removed until later. So That's right. Yeah. That's right. And Gregor being a Republic commando, I just, you know... I, I feel like there's a big hole there where he's presumed dead at the end of his episode in Clone Wars and then just miraculously turns up, oh, you made it, in Rebels. So I think there's connective tissue there that we'll probably see at some point. And I think he's probably talking about uh, his buddy that on the planet with the Twilight kids. With uh, Tup. Uh, with Tup. Yeah. Uh, I think he's probably referencing that as the rare... Yeah. Uh, moment that he's actually seen because we yeah uh, well didn't we we'd already theorized that tup being you know apart from the war never uh, the was order. never never subjected to it again uh, that well, brings no, up that whole probably true it brings yeah, up that whole like question communication yeah like did they get it by radio was it like just flip a switch and then all the chips activated like it, there's still this like uncertainty with how the order was uh was disseminated and yeah. I'd say that that uncertainty is still there even now. Yeah, because it's not like in uh, 
iRobot where, you know, the big brain just flips a switch and they right, all of a sudden they turn just, red yeah, to indicate right, they're switched. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's sort of telling the last line. And, and maybe they mean that there's some physical way of them reaching each other. But the way he says, you know how to reach me is almost like, is there something about clones and the way that they're connected? We don't know. I don't know. In the way maybe that he, maybe like, a, uh, like twins, you know, twins sort of, you know, have those vibes. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's sort of the vibe I got from the last line of the episode. Sure. Sure. Seeing Wrecker struggle, Tech tries to administer a sedative. At least I think it's a sedative, but it's too late. Wrecker grabs Tech by the arm with one hand and by the throat with the other. And we get, Ugh! Tossing Tech like a rag doll, Wrecker exclaims, You're all in violation of Order 66. And he dons his helmet and picks up his rifle. Rex tries to stun him, but Wrecker slaps the pistol out of his hand like it was nothing and begins to indiscriminately spray the room with blaster fire. Hunter grabs Omega and dives for cover, as do the rest of the batch. Hunter then tells Omega to stay with Tech while he and the rest of the team try to draw Wrecker out of the medical bay. From a concealed position, Rex attempts to stun Wrecker and misses. Whoops. But it's enough of an opportunity for Hunter, who, from behind Wrecker, throws his vibro knife, knocking the rifle from his hand. At the same time... Oh, man. And this is where I had a hard time because this is the, the big action sequence of the, of the show. And much like last week, it's, the cuts are even quicker because the multi, uh, multiple opponent thing that's going on here. So you get these quick cuts. And I got to tell you, trying to grab some of these uh, screenshots was really, really hard. All right. At the same time, Echo tries to hit Wrecker with a large canister. But the attack is blocked and Wrecker tosses... Uh, Echo into Rex's incoming <laughs> stun bolt. Poor Echo takes it right in the uh, right in the face. <laughs> Hunter then picks up the canister and lunges at Wrecker, striking him repeatedly with it. Eventually, uh, knocking off his helmet. With his helmet now off, Hunter leaps onto Wrecker's back and tries to subdue him with a chokehold. But Wrecker shakes him off easily and pins him into the wall by the throat as he informs Hunter. All clones in violation of Order 66 shall be terminated. But before he can choke the life out of Hunter, a blaster bolt strikes the wall in front of them, and Wrecker turns to see a terrified Omega holding his blaster rifle. The look on her face this week, the emotion that's conveyed, it's, uh, it's pretty powerful. And again, like you say, I, I don't know how they do it in animation, but they are conveying it very effectively. Oh, yeah. It's beautifully done. The entire next sequence is uh, some like something out of a uh, Friday the 13th movie with uh, Wrecker in the role of Jason Voorhees and Omega as one of the uh, Crystal Lake campers. Wrecker is unrelenting in his pursuit of her while Omega is wholly terrified and flees for her life, and I firmly believe that. Crawling under a partially open door, Omega finds herself at a dead end and she frantically looks for another way out. A wrecker heaves the door open with brute force and moves in for the kill. Surveying the room with keen eyes, Wrecker spots a cupboard just big enough for Omega to hide in, and striding up to it, he tears the door off, only to find a rat scuttles out. This whole scene, this is my uh, Jurassic Park moment, where I thought this is yeah, like the totally. ki- this is the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park where the kids yeah. are trying to uh, evade the Velociraptor, and cool. uh, you know that whole they although they set it up, you know more like casting the reflection into the stainless steel it's the same vibe with the cutting back and forth to omega who 
she winces when he tears the door off, but it's the yeah. wrong place. Yeah, I thought that was done very... around the corner and the guy's yeah. not there. He's behind you. I thought yeah. it was really well done. Perfect. There's few places left for her to hide in this room, and it's only a matter of time before he finds her. And just as the rat from the cupboard runs past her, she pokes her head out from under the metal that she's been hiding under to look for Wrecker and promptly gives away her position. Wrecker tosses the piece of metal aside while Omega scrambles on all fours, pleading with him, This isn't you, Wrecker. It's the inhibitor chip. As Wrecker towers over her, Omega, still clutching his rifle, pleads with him to stop, saying, I don't want to hurt you, as she slowly begins to squeeze the trigger. She just looks like she's really hurting in this scene. Like, like this could have gone one of two ways. Like, and I and I have a theory on this too. Like, we've talked about like trauma in this show before, particularly with Echo and what he went through. Again, here's a moment that I think is going to come back to haunt one, if not both, of them later on. That there's going to be this moment of mm-hmm. like trying to rebuild, you know, the relationship because of that, even though it's not his fault. So I was wrong in my prediction for that moment because I figured her voice would be enough to, to pull him, him out stop, of it. But you it think wasn't. So, eh? Yeah, I didn't think that. I honestly did not think that there was any stopping him. I figured it was just a matter of time before he was going to go off. And I actually thought that we talked about the stakes of what could happen. I thought that the results were going to be a lot more. I thought the, the casualties were going to be higher. Right. Because we really didn't. Right. We didn't really didn't get any in this. Really. No. You might I mean, have lost a member. Or that's something. what I mean. Like I, I actually the thought only the only expendable member would be really Echo too. I actually thought the potential right. for someone to die in this episode was very, very high, or at least get mm-hmm. injured. Yeah, like seriously injured, not like I got stunned and I'll shake it off. All right, just just before Wrecker can carry out his execution, a wounded Rex leaning heavily on the doorway saves Omega by stunning him into unconsciousness. So, just as I said, I mean, uh, he's obviously uh, pulled himself out from underneath Echo's limp, stunned body. Mm-hmm. He's still rattled by it, but is able to um, to save her. Back in the medical bay, Tech performs the procedure to remove Wrecker's inhibitor chip. Now, we've seen this before because back in uh, Season 7 of The Clone Wars, back in the, what, second last episode, back yep. in Shattered, we saw Rex... Back in the medical bay. Back in uh, season seven, we've got Rex in the surgical pod or going into the surgical pod while Ahsoka, R7, and the uh, FX medical droid kind of. Ostensibly, tech in this scene is the FX7 droid. Yeah, pretty much. This played out a whole lot different. You know, when when they finally do go through the procedure, and and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but uh, Rex makes a, a comment about this could take a while. Well, Going back to get this image and rewatching this sequence, do you realize how fast it was that that Rex went from procedure to recovered? Right, like right, super super fast. So yeah, very quick. Well, it's because of all the others, the pace of the story beats happening around it. Absolutely, you had to show it, but you kind of got to squeeze it in there. So when you contrast that against the time it takes in this episode, where there's this sense of they wait for. A long time because they're all like right. Omega's practically sleeping and the rest of them are just kind of like milling around like, okay, watching the paint dry. <laughs> all right. So getting back to where we are in our episode, we finally get uh, Wrecker stuffed into the surgical pod and everybody's kind of watching. Tech is doing his tech thing. And uh, yeah, 
hopefully uh, everything goes off the way we want it to. And when the procedure is completed, they slide him out of the surgical pod and they wait for Wrecker to come around. Rex warns them uh, that it could take a while and suggests that Hunter takes Omega outside for some air, but she refuses, insisting to stay with her brother until he wakes up. We get a wipe shot to Captain Rex standing in the doorway of the medical bay. He's holding his helmet in his hands and he's staring at it intently. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but the musical cue in this moment, it kind of harkens back to victory and death. Yes. And it's pretty easy to imagine, you know, he's lamenting sort of on, you know, how did he get here? What led to this? I can imagine him sort of, you know, having some somber thoughts about when he said, like, I don't want to bury any more of my brothers. And I think that's exactly what he's thinking about staring at that helmet. I had some curious thoughts about why he would continue to wear the armor. I don't know. Like, I know I know that the clone armor is sort of more than just standard military gear to the clone. Yep. But I just the connection to the past, the war, the high-level target visually that it would make him. Yeah. It seems, it seems like maybe the only reason that he's still got the armor is so that he'll still have it to kit bash for rebels so that he'll remain recognizable as a character when possibly him back in the past from you know what i mean but i can't see the character of rex going this is practical we've talked about uh armor and i've joked about you know plot armor but let's uh, i'm not going to make that joke again because i don't think that's what's going on here but uniforms uniforms as a suit of armor uniforms are are emboldening and Mm -hmm. uh you know, for somebody who's, you know, like the rest of the, the Bad Batch themselves have had their entire world flipped upside down, the armor get, probably gives him some some sense of normalcy. It's the it's it's constant. It's uh, it doesn't change. So right. even though, you know, the clones turned, he didn't. And maybe that's just sort of his way of, of sticking to his his principles. And it, it's just a, again, it's a armor for the soul. Maybe I don't know. No, the, in terms of that, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a comfort level. It's also, you know, whatever kind of uniform you do put on, it it, it does change. Uh, if you certainly, if you allow it to, it, it it can change the way you interact with the world. Yeah. And you, I at work, I put on a tool belt and I become this. But that you know, is your, that's your uniform. Fucking now, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? exactly, exactly, yeah. And so, yeah, in terms of that, maybe it's that moment brought it to my focus because he was staring into the helmet, like questioning, maybe. That was the moment when he thought, okay, I'm going to commit to the uniform. Well, there is definitely a major moment of reflection there. And, uh, you know, I think that's what makes this moment really interesting is that we can all, we all have our own interpretation of what it is. And it, and it could be all of it or none of it. Like it just, yeah. but we as the viewer get to impose what we think in that moment. And I think that's what makes, you know, moments like these, not just in the Clone Wars, but in, in other media. I think that's what makes these moments really good. Yes, agreed. And to point out, last week you had said, Hank, that maybe the Bad Batch had been, you know, polishing up their armor a little bit. Right. In contrast, Rex has gone a little bit more gray. He's a lot more scuffed. Yeah. 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 No, it's true. It's true. Could this all be like with the Rise of Skywalker, everything leaning towards a gray Jedi? Right. Maybe we're getting to a gray clone trooper where that's your... Righteous level. Uh, that's entirely yeah. entirely possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could see yeah, yeah. them adopting like the original. You know, yeah. No, definitely right, some right. sort of loose morality to to just to live in the galaxy. Now you're 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 on the run. Yeah, yeah. All right. So 
what do we get here next? We get this moment where, uh, yeah, Omega has said that she's not leaving. And, and I just love this scene uh, in the sense that it's classic. We've seen it in every every TV show, every movie where one of the, the main protagonists is laid up in the hospital bed and the, the family member, the loved one, you know, diligently, dutifully at the bedside. And just look at her, how she's sort of, you know, physically in, in contact with him. Nobody else is, mind you. Just her. No, that's right. Speaks volumes to that relationship that they're uh, that they're developing. And you can see uh, Tech in the foreground there sleeping because of how you know he's just that's his. I think he's just so so practical. Nothing's going on. Right. Yeah. Right. When exactly. I think it, when I was in the military, we used the expression "when in doubt, rack out." Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where he's at with that. I'm just gonna wait. All right. Slowly, we actually see Wrecker's armored hand begins to reach across, and then he actually pats Omega on the head, which I thought was a really nice, a really nice touch to him, kind of coming around. That you know, immediately he acknowledges that to her that he's okay. The procedure was a success, and as Wrecker sits up from the surgical pod, the clones share a happy moment, glad to have their brother back. Then, one by one, the rest of them undergo the procedure, and it's really kind of. It's matter of fact after that point, like there's no, there's no drama. There's no tension. It's just like, oh, it worked. Now it's going to, we'll just, everybody gets it done. Finally, when it's all over and the clones are packing up to leave, a remorseful wrecker tries to explain to Omega that he couldn't stop himself. And even though she accepts his explanation, he still tells her he's sorry. This is, this is the moment. Yeah. That makes (laughs) what happened in Order 66 so incredibly dark. Yeah, um, we now know definitively that every single clone that this happened to was aware and unremorseful, but could not stop themselves. Yeah, that's true. He was trapped in his own consciousness, knowing what he was doing was wrong. Yep. And so are the clones that killed the Jedi and killed each other. Yeah, that's the tragedy here: is that the personalities that we know and love of these clones were trapped inside this programming watching themselves kill their commanders and friends yeah and that's just crazy dude like we have that confirmed now it was that was what i was getting at with with fives was watching him struggle through it and go crazy and 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 realizing that he was trapped in there the whole time that rex you know maybe something about the first gen or maybe something about rex's personality but he fought harder than any of them because he was able to control it until the surgery right up until yeah yeah and so it just makes it so, so tragic that every single one of those million clones, while they're like, yay, Empire, in line, right, you right. Know, cheering the Empire, are trapped inside their own consciousness. You think on some level that some of them are, you know, yes. while they're, they're overtly cheering, they're, you know, internalizing, yes. what the hell am I doing? Right. And yes. And oh, so tragic to be trapped inside your own nightmare for the rest of your existence. I think that's where we talked about this before, and that really brings up an interesting point about if they decide to go after Crosshair, and we we talked about this before that, you know, some of them, some of them probably went along with it willfully because, uh, you know, and it, and it boils right down to that line, good soldiers follow orders. Right. So if you believe you're a good soldier and that doing order, blindly following orders, you know, no matter what they are, is the right thing to do. This is where I say, like, even if they go after Crosshair, there's a part of me that thinks that he's not coming back. Even if they take it out, I think that he is one of those people 
who is yeah otherwise he's he's drank the kool-aid he is he is part of the new order and we've never seen them do the opposite to the chip that you know so i guess the opposite of removing the chip is to make it more intense to reinforce it yeah they've been they've been trying to make him more aggressive and trying to make him more intense this scene also answers the question is it a constant you know is it all the time yeah yeah and so now I'm fairly I'm I'm in the one time signal camp and once yeah. the order is given it affects the chip yeah. you can choose to fuck it or not yeah and maybe yeah. not use but so then it explains why Tup didn't get the signal yeah absolutely because and even if he got the signal now I don't know that it would work because it was the one time signal it's what would you would need specific conditions though to act on it like you'd need a Jedi. A force or, user or a traitorous or, clone. Yeah. Or a traitorous clone, right? You got to have so that that's, control. That's another point about <laughs> the average soldier being trapped in their own consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just reflexively obeying horrific orders. These are right. the droids you're looking for. Not every clone killed Jedi. No. You know, no. We, had, we had nearly a billion clones and, and maybe 5,000 Jedi. Well, and at this the end is of it. The, the, uh, the clone to Jedi so, ratio was not that big. You know, so you you have a, ostensibly a small population of clones that committed the atrocities, and That's the right. rest just responding reflexively to the new Absolutely. authority, yeah. Yeah, trapped yeah. in their own, you know, questioning what they're doing, but not able to do anything about it. Think like ninety, That's what that record scenes about that ninety, ninety percent uh, or more of the clones just carried out their orders and continued to fight right. a war against droids. Right, but you know? even they they might still even be going. What am I doing? I can't stop right, myself right. on some like part of their personality trapped in that coma because we know that order 66 actually resets part of your program yeah yeah it does yeah yeah tragic tragic every single clone is is my my hero and a martyr now yeah i think on some level that that answers another question that we had about them all getting it and i think that there is an an element of there's still a command structure so like we say only a small percentage of clones actually faced off against jedi and even if they did all get invisible brain signal, it's not like the guys on the front line could disengage from their the assault or the defensive position they were in to turn and go hunt the Jedi. Like right. there was you still a war fight. Right, right. You kept <laughs> you had to doing shoot it both now. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. So maybe there was an, an element of radio communication from higher. But that does explain the scene in the very first episode of the Bad Batch, where you know the majority of the clones were in there you know Kept cheering off. on the yeah. speech yeah yeah and there was a little select group like that's true yeah there were like oh, no they they weren't doing yeah. the rah-rah yeah it's different levels and therefore rex's statement that people that can resist the chip are rare that's right and wow oh, man it makes it so sad it, it does it so, sad. so i'm i hope on some level and, and even if it is just wolf and gregor and i actually think that's probably where it's going to go I would like to get, you know, a little bit more backstory on on their, you know, how they weathered the end of the war. I'd like to know how that happens because we know the three of them are going to end up living together. Uh, and that's where we pick them up early on in Rebels. Something tragic and amazing would be a story where if Rex ever met Cody and Cody is turned, could be beautiful and tragic. You know, there's this whole idea of like, violent seriously meeting each other like where Cody's now clad in full, you know, stormtrooper armor. Right? Man, let's write it. 
<laughs> Somebody did write a meme about that, though. I think so, yeah. Or it wasn't with uh, Rex, though. It was with Obi-Wan. Was and it? And he meets him up. Oh, that's like, right. I did hey, see that. Hey, I missed you. And he's like, well, I missed you, too. And he's like, no, I missed you. Yeah. That was, in the, <laughs> and that was, they put it over the image when uh, Luke and Obi-Wan were driving into Mos Eisley and they get stopped at the oh, checkpoint. Yeah. 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 So the shoulder powder. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So Wrecker wakes up. He, he pats her on the head. He tells her he's sorry. And Omega smiles at him craftily and she draws out a handful of Mantel mix from a pocket. She tells him that the mission is over and they can't break tradition. And how sweet is that? Man, you know, enough to break the tension. Like I thought he was going to cry at, at how I think remorseful. that's the moment of actual forgiveness. Yeah. So I had a similar thought about that, even though like it's a reconciliation thing. And even if it's really, really small, it's just yeah. enough to get the message across to him that they will be OK. Mm-hmm. But I'm still not sure that each of them individually will be OK for what no. happened. And that's where I say, like, this could come back to haunt them later on. I think it's going to haunt Wrecker more than anything. I do. That, like, and I've I said this too. Like, guilt, guilt is a. It can be a really heavy burden to bear, and it can it can weigh heavily on anybody. And you know, man, I, I mean, speaking from my own experiences, and you know, like, people, we have a tendency to like beat ourselves up. You know, can you imagine what he's doing to himself right now? This is it. Can you imagine what's going on in the background of every single clone too? Constantly part of them just beating themselves yeah. up about Yeah, yeah. And that's the that's the cycle of sort of depression and, and mental illness yeah. too, is that beat yourself up about beating yourself up. That's right. About beating yourself Such up. Such a negative and, yeah. feedback loop and and you don't know how to get out of it. That's right. All right. Outside the Star Destroyer in the night air, Rex finishes a transmission with an unseen person as Hunter approaches. It's a cool little scene where he's talking on his comm link and he, he says something about, I'll meet you at the rendezvous before the end of the next cycle. But to me, that's not Rafa or Trace. You don't to think me, so? That's, no, to me, that's Ahsoka or better. Yeah. Uh, meeting at the rendezvous. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I've been hearing rumors and I don't know where they originated and if they're Mike Zero rumors, we'll ignore them. But if oh they're God. maybe something more <laughs> a little credible, I've heard yeah. Bo-Katan rumors. Uh, in the Bad Batch. I wouldn't and so, be surprised if she turns up in this. Uh, these are legacy characters in the Filoni-verse, yeah. if you will. Yep. And uh, I I just bought the figure, so they got to make it worth me the, my money. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's a it's a, a natural progression from these characters. And to see a link from from Rex to, to Bo-Katan and from Bo-Katan to Boba Fett. Yeah. And, you know, like, to have these connected tissues. And I had a thought another maybe fan fiction idea that one day Omega as an adult female trying to wear armor and be a badass, sure. you know, like Captain Phasma level female badass yeah, yeah. could take the name. And wouldn't it sound amazing guys? You heard it here first. Omega Fett. Oh, it's very interesting. You know what? I think it's cool. The idea that, you know, she's young enough that she could be, if the, if the long game is to evolve this character into, into phasma uh, on a fundamental level i'm going to be upset just because of how phasma goes out yes but i i, I just meant as an example of a badass of, like, oh absolutely of a badass I, female character i, I like think brienne of tart that yeah yeah really yeah absolutely female. and then the idea that 
rogue clones could take the fat name is so cool and when i had said in my head i went omega fat wow that sounds amazing it actually does, yeah. that just that phrase sounds amazing <laughs> and they are they're all fats right that's Rats right fat fives fat there's a there's, all fats. there's a fan fiction in there or yeah, is there's there? there's more fats than there are mandalorian ostensibly at this point that's true yeah or yeah. fake mandalorians than real mandalorians Hundred, hundreds of thousands if not millions Dave Filoni, listen to what we're saying. <laughs> well, what if he's already beat you to the punch in uh, season three of The Mandalorian? Close. Man, would I love to have a seat in the writer's room right now. <laughs> They're actively working on all those other projects. At the same time, these, yeah. These things are going to weave together. Like We are going to get extensions of this Bad Batch stuff in the Ahsoka show, and we're going to get extensions yeah. of it in the, in the future movies. And I'm um, crazy. The fact that they are Star. building this mcu style universe that's more co- arguably more cohesive than it's ever been before you know initially when uh, the old eu was scrapped i was a little upset about that because i thought there's some high quality stuff but but as has been you know proven before feloni and and crew are mining the old eu for some of the best elements and and recanonizing them in in new and interesting ways that while still familiar are just as exciting so I, right, I, and it lets us it lets us own those ideas and characters sure. and objects and yep. ships and things, but it repurposes them for a use Big in time. a new world and Big time. And, and really it it gives them a new paint job for it us. Does, yeah. We've read all those old stories and That's they were right. cool and they were always, you know, you could pick and shoot like I didn't like the way Luke did this in that novel and the courtship of Princess Leia was kind of boring, but yep. and but you know, so we always cherry picked what we wanted. That's anyway. right. Yep. And so it's 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 I mean, it was always going to be a treasure treasure trove yeah. of things that could be could be used, and and they're so good at it. So the two men share a moment of reflection on the death of the Republic and what their future might hold. Rex says that he spent his entire life fighting for the Republic, and there's no reason for him to stop now. Hunter retorts that the Republic is gone, but Rex says not all of it. There are other people out there just like them. Hunter, not willing to commit to Rex's fight, says that he has to do what's right for Omega and for his squad. And when Rex asks him what that is, he answers, I'm still trying to figure that out. Rex understandably says, when you figure things out, let me know where you land. The two clones share the warrior's embrace as they clasp each other's forearm. And as Captain Rex steps off into the foggy night, Hunter tells him, if you're ever in a bind, you know how to reach us. Yeah, and that for that... And maybe it means like uh, you have my phone number, <laughs> but you know, it also means like can clones like could clones track Rex somehow? Is there a you know is there a an actually, inherent chain code that I actually thought it know, was more of that. We talked about intermediaries last week about acting through intermediaries, right? And I think yes. now that they both have the Martez sisters as a common connection, that it wouldn't be a stretch of the imagination because she's. They've already told, or Omega has already put out the invitation for them, come visit us on Ord Mantel. So for me, the link is we can just dial up the Martez sisters as the intermediary, and they can yeah. they can contact you sort of on our behalf. It's true. And the way Rex leaves this scene, it, this might be the last time we see Rex. Until Walking off into the Rebels fog. Because he disappears into the fog. Uh, <laughs> just... Just like, wow. <laughs> Actually, super, wow, super powerful. Scene. And then, of course, mm. in my own, like, teenage, like, <laughs> I had this, you know, this image of, like, as soon as he steps out of sight, 
They're like, whoop, bang, as he falls. Because <laughs> he can't see a damn thing. Trips but, over yeah. Gregor, who's been there the whole time. <laughs> He's been lying there waiting. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. So, unfortunately for both men, a scrapper guild patrol has been observing them the whole time. And uh, they actually are about to inform the Empire. Which brings up an interesting question about how, you know, what's the connection here? Because they, you know, the guilds, the uh, the mining guild, as it were, they see those to, helmets not look a they, lot. You know what? You bring that up and I and I see it. I do see the connection. It could just I, be a stylistic choice. Be. <laughs> but they do look very strikingly they sure similar. Do. They do. How much autonomy do the guilds have, you know, at this point? You know, we've got the Scrapper Guild who says contact the Empire. Like, they're not a part of it, so... We have a mining guild. I presume we, that they are have, just not... We, we have a bounty hunting guild. Yeah. We, uh, we're we starting to see a grander structure to the Star Wars universe. Yep. Like, that. There, there's like there's some, you know... Like, the, the, these things may transcend Republic, right. Empire. Right, uh, You know, who's in charge? Separatists. Like, you know, there's this underlying functioning uber society in the galaxy where you have you know the the banking guild and Big time, the, you yeah. know so there are all these factions that are in play that we've, we've just never been privy to or no. that they've been just dangled so lightly that but you're starting to see like you know that there's a there's a much grander picture here oh of course there is yeah i'm just curious though like because i just i assume that you know, even Han Solo makes a reference to it on Cloud City where uh, talking about, you know, thinking that the mining guild was, you know, independent from the Empire. And then suddenly Vader shows up and just reminds us about how influential they, they, the Empire, really are. Right. It just begs the question. And we saw it again in, in The Mandalorian, again, with the mining guild and their their influence on the outlying settlements on Tatooine, like... They just seem like they operate with a lot of impunity. It's true. And they've got the empire on speed dial. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> right? Like, uh, And it, it harkens back to what we talked about before, that um, even the machines that make the, the decisions that drive yeah. the galaxy forward still need raw materials. They still they need people and ships and money. And that we're seeing that the, the Star Wars galaxy is a lot like our own in terms yeah. of, you yeah. know, like the normal things that keep society functioning are still present. Uh, you know, labor unions and banks, for sure, for and, sure, yeah. uh, you know, police and firefighters and military. And you're starting to see how much like our galaxy, except, you know, we're way in the with, with the Star Wars twist, <laughs> with, a, twi- way in with a twist of Meluron. <laughs> that's right mantel mix that's it that is the end of the episode we get a uh you know a very quick fade out and uh roll credits lots to unpack in this episode uh i think we did a pretty good job i think we hit everything did we did we miss anything well, i've got a theory what do you got omega states i don't have a chip that's right but they don't scan her they don't you know attempt to verify that information true so with her hanging with the Bad Batch, and yeah. every week she's picking up more training. Yep. She could become their Achilles heel. Yeah, there's every possibility of that. Does she turn, you know, foil for them? I don't know. And, like, it would explain why Nalase, 
you know, held the the bay doors. Well, like, that's let just her go it get too. Trained. Like, send her off with these guys. They will train her. Yeah, and at the right moment, we'll call her back. Like, is she the? We, go ahead, Hank. Yeah, we, we well, we still don't know how. Which sort of side of the fence Nala say is on is her loyalty yeah. to Omega or to the project, and she sort of indicates to uh, Lama Sue that that they need to move forward with the project. So yeah, it's it's there is a question of her loyalty because if her loyalty is to Omega, then she's an ally, and if yeah. her loyalty is then then you're absolutely right. Omega could be turned into a weapon. She could be the ultimate sleeper. Still doesn't change the fact that she's got, you know, 10-year-old noodly arms. Noodle arms. True. <laughs> but they'll get better over the course of the show. She's lifting droid legs. She, yeah. She's, you know, she shows fear in her face and her eyes. She emotes very well, but she's brave as hell. Uh, she's brave as hell. Superficially speaking, did we pick up this week that she's got a new addition to her outfit? She is a bandolier this week? I didn't know. I, I noticed that her bow was on her back, but I didn't. There was no, you didn't see any like connective parts, but there's, I'm pretty sure she was wearing a bandolier this week. Oh yeah, there it is. Can you actually, can you see it there? Yeah, yeah. It's like a leather. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's a really good, I didn't get a good enough image. I think you can see it sticking off of her back here as she's, uh, Mm -hmm. she's hunched forward there. And they all seem to have that sort of magnetic, like throw your weapon to your back. Yeah, yeah. Sticks there. I like how the uh, the translation to the uh, the six inch black series uh, figures where there's a slot in the backpack where the oh very cool where they just kind of can push them in yeah presumably a of the clone it's, troopers that have like pegs in the hips right yeah I know yeah there's some of those presumably it's magnetic and the more I think about it the more I I look the Bad Batch maybe they are more akin to my beloved Republic Commandos than I thought because. You go back and look at those guys in the video game, and they too have large backpacks that store their weapons. It's true. So, it's true. Yeah, I can be pretty forgiving of them. I like where the way the show is going. I like this episode. I don't know if it's. Uh, I don't know if it stands out as a you know best episode yet. I don't. I don't think it's that. But uh, it's the episode we needed to have to move the story into the next act. There's an insane amount of closure for being seven sixteenths of the way <laughs> <Yeah>. through. <laughs> um, less than half, and we've wrapped up two major sort of story arcs. Big like, time. Oh, I mean, I mean, I don't know if Rex is a major story arc, but they 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 hinted at him in the the, the second episode, and we have Rex resolution, if you will. I think if and the, certainly the inhibitor chips was something I thought they would push right to the end of the series and have a big yeah. dramatic song. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, we've we've wrapped that up in a bow, uh, minus perhaps an Omega chip. But I'm really excited, and like I said earlier, that that just tells me that if we've wrapped up that stuff in a bow, yeah, that the next stuff is even bigger. When we thought we couldn't get bigger in the Mandalorian, we went to friggin' Tython. Oh so, yeah, you know. And then when we thought we couldn't get bigger than that, they gave us Luke, friggin' Skywalker. And so I'm yeah, I'm excited for the second half of the series to ostensibly start next week. That's right. So we're uh, we're seven episodes into a sixteen episode series. So like what forty, almost fifty percent of the way through. And man, I know there's lots more to come. I I don't really have any speculation where I think we're going next week because I think, like you say, we've gotten major resolution to a, a couple of things. So we can ostensibly go in any direction next week. Well, I think Without we're going in a chips. certain direction. Which way? Yeah. Well, based on. Your observation, Hank, about the Mantel mix. Yeah. And they've been there for like 11 missions. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
I think we're about to find out just how far the Empire has come. Okay. Because yeah, once they get that call I, saying, here's your clones. So, yeah, I mean, that that's another, so for me, that's a loose plot thread is, is uh, our frenemy, Sid. Is she, like, are they ever going to get an opportunity to get square with her? Or is she just going to be done with them and turn them in for the big score? Well, Maybe. she's she got short at the end of that their interaction yep. you know like yep. um certainly that <laughs> that situation has always been going to go bad it's yeah. just a matter of time but i think maybe they just could just leave without you know there's no reason for them to return there after missions short of them looking for them too and are she going to waste resources on that because without their chips now right uh, they have a, a there's a whole other freedom absolutely there is and so we might see them branch off into a whole another. I, I I strongly feel that they're knowing that the the chips are removable, that the, yeah. the 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 middle act will be about finding Crosshair, and that the last act will be either the death of or the redemption of Crosshair. Right. And I think that's probably the you know. And those are they're not huge leaps. They're nope. they're, they're probably going to have to come as story beats. Uh, so we're not Nost- Nostradamus or anything here, but. Uh, I think that you're going to definitely see those two things. And um, I'm actually blown away that they wrapped up that uh, the, the inhibitor chip already. That's the big wild card, I guess, is, uh, you know, for me, will Crosshair redeem or will he willfully remain with the Empire, even if they do get it out? It's um, we can use the movie Frozen as an example. Sure. Uh, the original sort of screenplay for the frozen uh, or the original cut of the movie had the villain not being redeemed at all. Right. It tested fairly well with audiences, but then they screened a version where the, there was the redemption arc and it, it tested way better. And, and since then we've seen more and more redemption arcs for villains. Yep. And I think it's a, it's a Disney trend. And I think people wanted to like the villains at the same time as, as, as not like them. So I, it's, it's probably more likely than not in a, in a children's show that we get a redemption arc. But he's, uh, like I said before, he certainly looks like a death trooper. And maybe, Big time. Maybe they'll just take his genetics and turn that into the enemy. Maybe. And we'll get Crosshair back. And, uh, who, wow. Uh, you know what? And that would be, like, super fulfilling, uh, fulfilling for me. Either way, to be honest with you. Like, I'm excited to see which way he goes. And part of me, actually, because it's it goes against uh, uh, trope, particular Mm -hmm. Star Wars, I actually hope that he does remain a villain. I think that talking about the tragedy of living inside their own heads and being compelled and then having the realization that, yeah, that programming was there, but there is a, there is a component. There is a willful component. And if he does stay, that tells you that, Oh, just like, you know, you or I or anybody else who's naturally born, there are good people and there are evil people. That's right. That's right. And I think that would be a super cool uh, twist. One more thing about this episode. Did anybody get the impression that, you know, I actually thought for a moment that the Batch would use Rex as a way to break away from Sid? They could have picked up and just left with him and that would have been okay. Yeah. The only problem would have been that the, the again, like plot armor, it would have, it would have dragged them too much into the main storyline. And I think that they're trying to, you know, I think that they're weaving the other characters in and out of their storyline to give them that forward momentum. Yeah. But I, I think that them absolutely just, okay, Rex is part of the team now. And we want right, to see right. that. Oh yeah. We'd love to watch Rex every episode, but I, I think it's, it's, 
this is this is their story and so oh, of course I, I think that that it may just we're doing something different now maybe plot armor and we we, we know we can always return to rex at any time yeah i just I don't want think their thing is about fighting the empire like the rebellion i think their thing is more about self-discovery yeah in amid the new dynamic of the universe right 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 with an underlying theme of family oh absolutely because that him saying i got to do what's best for omega and my squad yeah that's another dad moment for him oh big time it is yeah yeah, yeah. i might recut the brady bunch song and sing the bad batch <laughs> and all look at each other that's the, right the bad batch. <laughs> here's the story of a yeah, man named hunter <laughs> We had two really shiny blaster guns. Yeah, really. Could be great. <laughs> I thought, you know, the the possibility of them leaving with Rex would have, you know, sped up the uh, the frenemy thing with Sid that she could go full villain at that point and she could become the next sort of like on their tail, like on top of the Empire, on top of the cloners. Now you've got a crime right. boss after you do. Yeah, that kind of Mexican standoff. Yeah, of yeah, of, yeah. You know, um, I think I think you'll see that arc come to a conclusion in terms of her i know, think i just think it's only a matter of time they become worth she... more money especially now yep. that the mining if you think that the mining guild coordinates with the bounty hunting guild coordinates with you know that like like there's union bosses that talk yeah, yeah. and and now that we've made the phone call to the empire oh yeah um, you that know, may that puts I mean, more... they might check her they that might be... come to her and exactly if, if that puts she's more just gonna sell them out if that puts yeah. more heat on the batch that puts more heat on her because she's harboring them Right. Whether so she could literally either go two ways here. She could turn them in or she could go. You got to go. Uh, I like you enough. Get the F out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still not sure which way she's going to go. That's why I keep calling her the friend of me. Like she kind of paints this picture that like the mutually beneficial arrangement, but then keeps, you know, punctuating that with. But you better do as I say. How many times has Hondo Inako saved a major character's ass only to just yep. stab them in the back? Yep. At the end of the episode. Absolutely. Dozens and dozens of times, and we love Hondo Anaka. Absolutely. He's the uh, he's the Doug Judy of the show. <laughs> it's my, yeah, little, yeah. It's my little Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference there for you. That's awesome. Bro. <laughs> All right, guys. That's it. We did it. Another episode in, and uh, this one was uh, episode seven. Episode seven, Battle Scars. Yeah, we definitely uh, we saw some scars in this one. Emo- emotional scars, mental scars, physical scars. Let the healing begin. Yeah, yeah. So that's realistically, uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's the snack food sharing item there. Absolutely, yeah. the uh, Star Wars version of Chicago mix. We yeah, now know that it's uh, Mantel mix. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for me. I guess we'll uh, we'll catch you on the next one. All right, I'm going to get it right this week. Join us next week as we review another episode of the bad batch right here on our show the fan batch catch us next week same batch time same batch channel boom excellent (laughs) all right guys catch you next time hey guys thanks for listening to fandom power be sure to like us on facebook and follow us on instagram and twitter stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.
Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. And when your show is ready, Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say? 